Turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. As I was finishing preparations yesterday for this, this morning, um, I can't say for certain, but I think I'm going to continue this theme maybe another week or two. I, I, I wasn't planned on as a series, but I just saw so much that um, I think that it would necessitate us looking at it uh, more deeply and more fully. So just pray for me that I would have guidance to continue this if that's the Lord's desire for next week. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. An often quoted verse, very familiar with it. And then this part. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. God wants your life to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God for you, not just in the church universal, but in you as an individual. One of the purposes of presenting our bodies a living sacrifice is that our life might be an advertisement, a commercial that magnifies the Lord and how he directs and how he leads and how he opens doors that no man can open and he shuts doors that no man can open. He opens those that no man can shut. How he leads us along the best pathways for our life. And so I want to just talk to you this morning more than preaching a message. And as a pastor, I want to talk to you about the will of God. One of the hardest things for young believers and older believers as well is to discern the will of God. There is the expressed will of God and then there is the, the revealed will of God. The expressed will for us universally and the revealed will for us personally. And I pray by the time we're done with this that you will have a confidence that you are in his divine will. That you are in his perfect will. Because everyone that wants to be is. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And I just humble myself before you and I want to publicly say what I tell you in private. Lord, I am the least of all saints in this building and I'm humbled and it still takes my breath away that you could use someone like me in any capacity. And so I offer myself to you today fully. I pray for your anointing on my words. I don't trust in any preparation or any abilities or knowledge or giftings, but by your spirit, oh Lord, it's your anointing that breaks every yoke. And I ask for that today. Let me speak with clarity and boldness and with an unction that brings your word all the way home to our hearts. Knit it to the fabric of our soul, I pray, O oh Lord, that we might grow up into him who is all things, even Christ the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The safest place for you to believe, be in your life is in the will of God. Jesus told Moses to put blood over a doorpost. And he said, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When God's judgment fell, those that were in the will of God escaped the wrath of God. The most blessed place 
for a Christian to be is in the will of God. The most confident place for a Christian to be is in the will of God. The Bible says in 1 John, the world passes away and all the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Not knoweth the will of God, doeth the will of God. The most peaceful place to be is in the will of God. Philippians 4, 9 says, those things Paul said to the Philippian church, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And if you live in the will of God, the peace of God, the God of peace shall be with you. Not just the peace of God, but the God of peace. We've all seen some crazy stuff. If you've been in church any length of time, you've seen some mystical weird stuff. One of those I've seen is when believers who usually don't open the Bible, open the Bible for direction. Now, oh Lord, one time, give me an answer. And they flip the Bible open. In Isaiah 20 verse three, it said, Isaiah walked naked and barefoot for three years. <laughs> or some of them do two. When it ain't, the first one ain't a good one. You go, I just, I may have missed it. So, you know, <laughs> open the Bible. And Jesus went and hung, or Judas went and hung himself. You close it. Go and do thou likewise. And you go. I told this a couple Wednesday nights ago. It may have been a Sunday. It all blurs together. But you know about that lady that was on a, uh, one of those real diets, but she loved coffee cake and she had to go by a bakery every morning on her way to work. And they had this big fan that blew the, you know, like Cinnabon does. Y'all don't know they have a helicopter fan. They blow it all out into the street. And she said, Lord, if it be your will for me to have that humongous coffee cake this morning, let there be a parking space right out front. And she said, sure enough, the fourth time around, there it was right there in the front. I found the will of God. The will of God is not mystical. It's not hard to know. It flows from relationship. God will not grant you hidden will, which means, you know, God doesn't say in his word, where do you work? Who do you date? Who do you marry? What house to live in? He's not going to show you the hidden will unless you're obeying the expressed will. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus that you be thankful in all things. Let your light so shine before men. Forgive everyone from your heart of every transaction. When you live in the expressed will of God, it is easy to know the hidden will of God for your life. But you need to know, if you're taking notes, number one, our will and God's will are very different. If you try to determine God's will by what you want the most, you'll see people, I just know it's the Lord's will. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop dreaming about it. Well, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Let me tell you how our will and God's will is different. And for me, I just need to say this to hear myself say, I just want to go slow. And if I don't get to everything, we'll get to it later. But this is going to be kind of like line upon line, precept upon precept, okay? So I just want to pastor kind of like how we talk in the office, counseling. This will be kind of like a fat man going through a barbed wire fence. Here a point, there a point, just everywhere following. All right, number one, our letter A. Our will considers us first, but God's will puts him and others first. 
One of the ways you determine God's will is where are you in the equation? It's okay to be in the equation. It has to be God first, others, and then you. Because God knows how to take you from the back of the pack and put you to the front. But we are to submit to him. Lord, where do you want me? What is your plan for my life? Our will tends to comfort. His will tends towards cause. God doesn't dream over me before I was born that I might be comfortable. He provides comfort. But he dreams over me when he uh, said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you in your mother's wombs, right? And the plans I have for you, I know the plans I have for you. They may include comfort, but they're centered around cause. Centered around you investing your life in someone else instead of spending it upon yourself. There will be comfort. There will be blessings. There will also be lack and tension. And to follow the will of God, comfort is not the gauge. Cause is. Our will gravitates to pleasure. His gravitates to purpose. Our will leads to saturation. You know, uh, we just keep giving ourselves what we want until the law of diminishing return sets in. You know what the law of diminishing return is? The 33rd bowl of ice cream does not taste as good as as the first one. Our will tends to more and more. His will does not tend to saturation, but sanctification. Self-denial. Our will has its eyes on the temporal. God's will has its eyes on the eternal. Our will changes as we change. His will doesn't change. He modifies it because of wrong choices that we have, but his will doesn't change because he doesn't change. If it's his will for you to love your enemies, then it'll be his will for you to love your enemies tomorrow. If it's his will for you to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding is going to guard your heart and mind. If it's his will for you not to be anxious today, it's his will for you not to be anxious tomorrow. Our will changes. Our choices change. His will doesn't change. And to the person that follows his expressed will, they are guaranteed to know his hidden will. Finally, our will caters to our flesh. His will crucifies it. 2 Corinthians 4.11 For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So what does that mean? Uh, Our will caters to our flesh and his will crucifies it. It is okay to have desires. It is okay to petition the Lord for the things that you want when, when you're barren and you don't have children, you can ask the Lord every day, Lord, grant us a family. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, my wife and I really need this job promotion. Uh, The needs for my family are great, and I'm asking you, Lord, for this position. I'm asking you to move people around and give it to me, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. One of the things your pastor practices because I don't trust myself is I pray all the time, don't, Lord, even if I think I'm right, slam the door because in the end, all I want to do is be in your will because I have learned. Anybody else paid stupid tax? Oh, 
unbelievable rate, percentage rate. And you would have swore you're making the right decision. And sometimes the Lord's kept us from stuff. And you look back and you go, oh, thank you, God. Do you remember how you got pictures of you and that person in high school and college? And y'all broke up and you go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our will and God's will are very different. Number two, you do not find God's will. It finds you. This was one of the most liberating things in my journey as a Christ follower that I learned walking with the Lord. I didn't hear it preached. I didn't hear it taught. He showed me. And you know, you've got the things in your life that he showed you that no one was around when he showed you. And they're precious to you and they become foundational. When I was born again in my mid-20s and you get someone college age or coming right out of college, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up? Oh, I am grown up. I don't know. And you can't just open to Leviticus 3 and go, I'm going to be a dentist. You can't. It's not in there. And you go, oh, how do, I, how do I find God's will? And that can be horribly torturous. Because other people, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to be. And you go, I don't know anything. Well, maybe he hasn't revealed it. And what he gave me, because of my personality, I would have tortured myself repetitively, the brain doesn't shut off and it's cyclical and you close your eyes, but it don't stop and it keeps going around. What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? It'll drive you crazy like that. And I felt the spirit of the Lord quicken me during Bible study one day. He said, nowhere in the word did I tell you to search for my will, but there were countless places where I showed people surrendering to it. It finds you. And God called Abram out of the land of Ur, the Chaldees, and said, come this way, and I'll show you. I'm going to take you to a land that I'll tell you about later. Huh? Just move out. Where are we going? I'll tell you later. So Abram got his wife and his, his cattle, his resources, his possessions, and he got ready to leave Ur. So you know, we, we're, we've got interstate signs and road signs and GPS. There's just dirt. They don't even have the, the pole. Do you remember on the show MASH where they had the pole and all the different places? Which, there's no poles. Which way does Abram go? It doesn't matter. God said, I'll get you there. You follow me and you're in relationship with me. And when you need to know where to turn up. So what if he started in the wrong way? God just detours him. Be free. You say, well, it's, it's pressing. I, I've got to make a decision Tuesday. Well, if you don't know, don't make one. Or ask the Lord, is this one of those where you want me to pick? Sometimes the Lord will say, you pick. I'm going to honor my name in your life, whichever way. But you have to know for yourself. And you don't... I've never got the audible voice. I've never got the angel that says, Hark, John, don't go any further. You're going to die. I've never got that. But I have had him slam doors because I asked him to. But the pressure of finding God's will is released when every day you surrender to it. Have your way in my life. I give you my life, my family, my babies, my business, my choices. Have your way in my life, O oh Lord. 
If you want to know the will of God for your life, it is impossible for you to miss it. It is impossible because if it is totally surrendered to God, it is his responsibility to reveal it. And God's not unrighteous. He, he knows our weaknesses and our frailty. It will find you. It finds you as you obey God. It finds you as you walk with God. It finds you in common ways, in common places, through common people and common feelings. It finds you often before you're ready, before you're qualified and before you fully appreciate it. But only if you want it, only if you will perceive it, only if you will surrender to it and only if you will esteem it highly enough to follow it exclusively. So if it's God's responsibility to show me his will, where's the pressure? When the person crucifies his desires and intentions and says, we want a family, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When you get the call about the babies and you didn't orchestrate it or maneuver it, you know, oh, your will is for us to be the father of twin uh, uh, parents of twin little girls. It's confirmed in many different ways, but there's no pressure the pressure comes when we feel like we have to, we have to find it, but it'll find you in common and uncommon ways in subtle and powerful ways. And don't wait on everybody else to acknowledge God's will for you because God may not be talking to them about your life, but he talks to you about you. And there's a mutual respect one for another. I'm not certain what he's telling you in the dark. And you might not know what he's telling me, but we pray one for another that we don't miss it. It's okay to pray fervently. Don't let me miss your will, but not to worry about finding it because that's his responsibility. All right, the meat of the message this morning is number three. The pathway of God's will is very difficult. It's not difficult to know. It's difficult to live out because... It begins with, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. The first steps of realizing the will of God is denying yourself, picking up your cross and following God. So what does that mean? Jesus was a savior. We're not a savior, but that was God's revealed will for his life. So when you pick up your cross, what you are doing is you are denying yourself and picking up God's will for your life instead of your will for your own life. That's how we follow him. Jesus said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The pathway, and, and please don't get me wrong when I say it's difficult. It comes with incredible blessings, and we're going to talk about it in a moment. It comes with power and all those things, but it's difficult for a multitude of reasons. God's will is difficult because it's narrow. You can't just add to it and take away from it when you want to. It doesn't come with a vote or public opinion. And God, God will narrow the pathway to get you to a specific destination because if the pathway is wide, we, the, the odds increase that we'll get off the path. And I found that whenever he's ready to lead me into a large place, he squeezes me into a narrow place. Your pastor has fallen and failed more times than I would like to count. And my weaknesses and immaturities are ever before me. And I remember not too long ago telling the Lord, I said, I just don't have any options. It's just, it's just, <laughs> there's no options. 
And it wasn't audible, but it's like it's impressed on my heart. He said, if I gave you options, you'd take them. Oh, so I've squeezed you into this. I don't know what the Lord's doing. And he's making sure that you get down there by squeezing you into. It's difficult because it's narrow. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads into life. Not just salvation, but the will of God. Sometimes you think the enemy is crowding in on you and it's God that's narrowing the walls so that you can't miss his will. You prayed for to know it. And so you're like, I don't know what God's doing, what God's doing. Well, he's narrowing it in there. So the, the water goes faster at the bottom of the valley in the narrowest places. You get to the place quicker the narrower the walls are. That's not in my notes, but that's good. It's difficult because it stretches you. If we had our will, we just do everything safe. What's the easiest? What's the most convenient? What's got the biggest safety net? What's got the widest beam? And I'll choose that. But God's way is difficult because it stretches you. He'll ask you to do. He'll put you in situations past your capacity. He'll ask you to do what you do not feel you can do. Maybe even what you cannot do. But he'll enable you. God will not show you something to do that he will not equip you to do. Now, it doesn't mean you don't do it without fear. When I first started preaching, you've heard me often say, I immediately went to a lapel mic because when I held the microphone, I shook like this. And I, it would just hit everything and I looked like Catherine Hepburn holding the, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, that wasn't good, but it just came to my head. I was so nervous and I would shake like this while I preached. The very first time I got ready to preach, Brother Don Van Huser at High Point Church, dear brother, good man, gave me an opportunity because, you know, how else do young preachers learn to preach? I was on the stage and I was so scared. I remember saying to myself, I said, I'm leaving. And he's preached for so long that he'll be able to cover it. There's no problem. He can just wing it. And I stood up to leave. And I was walking off the stage and he goes, and it's a joy to have Brother John Wood here. And I'm mm-hmm, scared to death. So... Yes, I had to study. Yes, I had to study a lot. And yes, I had to preach in places where they didn't like you. And I went through all of that. But if he's called you to communicate, you have to have some communicative ability. And some of us are worried that he's going to send us overseas into the bush. And, and that's, we think of that's the will of God. So we never expose ourselves to it. But I want you to know that the will of God is the most beautiful Fitting, precious, fulfilling thing that you can experience in this world. It's not miracles of the flesh. It's knowing God's pleasure that you are right where you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be. It's the revenge of discipleship to know that I'm right where he wants me to be. The pathway of God's will is difficult because it's costly. It will cost everything, maybe not all at once, but everything. The pathway to God's will is filled with a thousand yeses. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You, you can't follow someone else's design and it not cost you something. See, we try to orchestrate and ask God to bless 
But every time he leads me contrary to a place I would go, I am diminished. It's very costly. Are y'all cool enough in here? I know once we cut it off, it's going to get very hot. But just for a minute, I got little stalactites hanging from my eyes right here. I wore this because I thought it was going to be warm today. Thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. I'm not complaining. Uh. The pathway of God's will is difficult because of the opposition to it. Satanic opposition. Worldly opposition. Opposition. The opposition of friends and family. People that don't believe in you. People that, that wasn't the Lord. And you know, that's hard when somebody you esteem and respect in the Lord more than your own walk tells you you're not supposed to do something like start a church and you feel you are supposed to start it. You know, that, that's hard when you introduce the man that you know the Lord's called to be your husband and your daddy goes, I don't like him. And you want to respect him and honor him, and that's very important. But you know, it's, it's a hard place to walk because the world is not in tune to God's will collectively. And no one else is in tune to God's will for your life personally. Just like I'm not in tune for it. I can't tell you where to work, who to marry, who to date, uh, you know, to go to school or grad school. I, I tell you, I don't know. I'm not... I, I'm not the one he talks to about that. Well, Brother John, what do you do then if you graduate after four years and you don't know, but you think maybe you should continue? I tell people this. Then walk towards the last direction he gave you with baby steps. Just keep walking like this. And if the door doesn't shut, you know you're in his will. But there's great opposition. You oppose yourself. People oppose you. But you just have to know in your heart. When I got ready to start this church, I had a district official's wife tell me it would never work. Thank you very much. Sister Death, I really appreciate that. I'm already, you know, battling so many insecurities, never been to Bible college, all those things. And what do I know about pastoring? Absolutely nothing. But she said, it'll never work. But I knew he called me. I knew Jeff in the front yard with Jimmy Sanderson when he asked me about taking him to church. I said, I got to start a church. I felt the call, the assignment to do that. No one else heard it. And when you know the will of God for you, it takes courage to live it out because good people, well-meaning people and ignorant people are going to oppose it. You got his sheep hear his voice and another one's voice they will not follow. The pathway of God is very difficult. Pathway of God's will is very difficult because we can be so easily distracted. We can be so easily deceived or turned out of the way. It is difficult because it has so many losses and so many sorrows and so many disappointments and so many disillusionments. You get disillusioned with yourself. You get disillusioned in the path. You get disillusioned with how long it's taking. You get disillusioned all the time and because we go, well... Here it is. Here's the greatest thing that it shakes me up, I should say. It's not how I pictured it. Has our pictures ever been right? The expectation should not be on details. The expectation for the Christian that follows God is, I know in the end it will be good because God is good. In the end. But disappointments are going to come. Disillusionments are going to come. 
I remember after we started the church, you know, first Sunday of 89, and you kids, the average size of the Assembly of God churches throughout the U.S. were 75, and I had 89 on the first Sunday. I'm great. I'm in the flesh. <laughs> you know, about a month and a half later, I'm real humbled. I'm preaching to, on Thursday night four. I remember going to my car and putting my head on my steering wheel and weeping like a child. I told, I'm a joke, ain't I, Lord? I don't even know what I'm... You know, you're thinking if you've called me and there's a gift and all of these things. And what gets us in trouble is not that we didn't hear right. It's that we assume things based on what we heard. And I just assumed everybody liked me because I'm a great guy. Everyone want to come hear me preach and it wasn't the case. <laughs> Still not the case. I remember greeting somebody at the Second Baptist building. I'm stupid enough to walk around. Hey, how are you today? I hope the Lord ministered to you today. He goes, it was awful. Excuse me? You asked me about today. It was awful. I'm thinking, the worship? No. Because <laughs> that wasn't my part. No, I said, now here I am dumb again. I go, what part? He goes, all of it, but especially the preaching. Excuse me? I just, you know, you just don't see it coming. He said, I tell you what, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. I agree with you. It, I've, I've heard it three times and it wasn't good any, either time. You know he got in his car and went, he's crazy. I'm trying to insult him. But I've learned, and all of us need to come to this place. We may not be what they say we are, but we're worse than they say we are. So if I'm, in my mind, if I think I'm going to be this and someone thinks you're going to be this, you can leave the will of God because surely, God, if you called me, no one would say that they wouldn't walk across the street to hear me preach. Well, that's what he felt. And he didn't come back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's difficult because of who and what it requires us to leave behind or live without what it causes us to leave behind for those that go overseas and leave their families and their parents. There's cost to it. And no man that loves wife or mother or brother or sister more than Christ is worthy of him. And sometimes it costs us where we would want to go, what we would want to do. The Bible said that Jacob buried Rachel on the way to Ephrathah. He was in the will of God. And on the way to fruitfulness, he buried his bride. And he loved her so much that he worked 14 years for her. And it said that they seemed like just a couple of days. And he lost her. And he had to continue on in the will of God accordingly. The pathway of God's will is difficult. Because we must follow it as we are. Listen to this. We must follow it as we are when it's revealed to us. Why does it seem like he calls us to do stuff before we're ready? I'm still immature. I'm still young. I'm still have insufficiencies and insecurities and idiosyncrasies and uh, all this stuff going on. Are you sure, God? Have you looked at the package here? Come on. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And you don't have the luxury of being good before you go. Because he wants to show you that he is not interested in building you a reputation. He is interested in building Christ a reputation with your life. Me and you, we're like filthy rags. And on my best day, I'm an unprofitable servant. 
So if he gets any glory out of my life, all praise and honor goes to him as the Lord of our life. And our glory is not based upon our flesh. It's based upon what he does in our flesh and through our flesh by by his spirit. The pathway of God's will is very difficult because it's often revealed just a little bit at a time. That's the hard thing. If you just tell me, have you ever had this conversation? Lord, if you just tell me what all I'm supposed to do, if he laid it all out, if he laid your last 10 years out, would you have took the journey? No. No. Had I known? No. So why does, why does he, what is, he protects us. He protects us and says, follow me today. I'm your source, I'm your strength, I'm your shield, and I'm your reward. Let's do this. And as you begin, he's in front of you. Come on, come on. And you can see him, you can feel him, you can smell him. He's just God's close. Come on, baby, come on. And then later it says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Behind me? Where are you, God? (laughs) You can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't smell him. You can't touch him. When he gets ready to mature you, he just speaks behind you. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And it takes trust to follow when you can't see but only hear. Maybe there's someone here today. God's changing some stuff or moving some stuff or inviting you into deeper waters or pulling back. I don't know what they are, but you'll know. You'll know in your soul. You'll know in your emotions and I'll talk about it in a moment. He confirms it in different ways. But it's difficult. It's difficult because it takes great faith to believe that the will of God exists and that you can actually live in it. It's difficult because it can be a lonely path and because we can't see enough of the picture. Our life is like a parade. And you're behind a wooden fence watching a parade through a knothole. So here comes SpongeBob. Okay. Here comes Charlie Brown. And now what you see is real. This is what's going on in my life. I know for a fact. Don't tell me it's not. But God sees the parade from beginning to end. And so what I have to do is back away from the fence and close my eyes. And sometimes you have to close your eyes to see. And God will tell you stuff you couldn't see. You can't see it, but I'm going to do this for you. John, I'm going to give you a Victorian house with flowers. I'm going to color your life. Wait and see. And all I could see was emptiness and void. But see, God seeing what's coming, I feel that in my heart. What's coming, what you see may be discouraging you, but right around the corner, two floats away, is going to be something that can take your breath away. How can you say that? How can you say that good awaits me? Because God is good. And he is so good that his goodness will find me wherever I am. Like water to the lowest place, God's goodness finds believers. David said, I'd almost fainted. I was just about to quit, but I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And through the knothole, there was nothing but enemies and, and Saul trying to kill me and turmoil and stuff. But God came through and the third float down was a rise to the kingdom. And he established me as his king and his person. But you have to be faithful and keep walking. 
It's difficult because it takes great perseverance to continue in it. It can be lonely. And there's often a wilderness between where I am and where he's taking me. So God called the Israelites out of Egypt into Canaan. And they knew where they were going, but they didn't understand the wilderness between. God was calling them out of a place into a land that what? Flowed with milk and honey. But the wilderness between was what gets them. And people sit down and die. Don't die in the in-between. If God told you he's taking you somewhere, then you will go. Uh, Beth alluded to this verse, probably my most preached on story in the Bible, Mark 4.35 through Mark 5.1. It said, and Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And Mark 5.1 said, and they came to the other side, just like he said. They didn't know about the storms. They didn't know about the waves beating into the ship. They didn't know about Jesus' seeming indifference. But when God says you're going to the other side, to the other side you're going to go. God leads he completes. But there's a wilderness sometimes. God, I thought you told us you were going to increase us. And now we're going south. Have you ever, done, you ever done that? The Lord said, I'm about to bless you. And it gets worse. Sometimes the worse is the concrete of the next place. Oh, yes, it is. Sometimes that thing you didn't think about is the concrete of your faith when God comes through, you don't ever doubt again. Let me give you, or doubt that thing. Let me give you an example. When you come through the Red Sea, when they're standing at the Red Sea, so Moses got his staff, a million plus Jews, and here comes Pharaoh's army. You know, we've watched the movie, so we know Moses just goes. If I'm Moses, I'm like telling everybody, back up a little bit, I'm pacing. <laughs> Lord, what you want to do now? Jesus, help us, help us, help Pacing don't open the Red Sea. Pacing does not open the Red Sea. The Lord gave the command, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stretch. The sea opens up. They walk on dry ground. Not just walled up, but dry ground. The water comes in, destroys all of his enemies, all of their enemies. Miriam gets on the other side and breaks out the timbrel and said, God has done wonderfully. He's thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. He's delivered us. But then they get to a swollen brook. Swollen brooks don't scare you after you come through Red Seas. You follow me? And sometimes it's the changes in you along the way. Small things. I'm, I know you probably get tired of hearing my story, but I'm telling you. When he gave me my little girls, I changed. A man with no seed, twin little girls. My phone just rang from someone I didn't even know. He told me he was going to give my wife children. He gave, we asked for one. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm not anything I'm not boasting in me. I changed because when he speaks something by experience, I have learned over my life that if God said it, he will bring it to pass. All I have to do is stay in it. Stay in it. We even got tested again. 
I was tested in my 20s. I was tested in my 40s. No seed. And I felt the Lord whisper to me one day. He said, Adam didn't have no seed. Adam was a mud man. Really, this is like, I just scooped up some dirt. So here's this Play-Doh figure made out of mud. He didn't even have a soul. He didn't even have air. Where did he get seed from? God's like, this ain't an issue of seed. This is an issue of my will. And had we had biological seed, we may not have rescued the most beautiful little girls in the world. And I'll tell you publicly what I thought was his will and what he gave me. His will that I wasn't praying for far exceeded. Oh, John, would you go back and have one biological? No, no, because his will is perfect. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. I didn't see it coming. How does your phone ring from somebody three people away out of state you've never met? You want my girls. How does that happen? Miraculously. But there's, it's difficult because you got to live through the wilderness period. After we got the word from the Lord, you will not find your children. They'll find you. I had to listen to my wife three rooms over crying in her quiet time, asking God for children, begging the Lord from her soul. I had to go through a wilderness period where I know she's trusting me and she's trying her best to believe that I heard, but she didn't hear it. And nothing happens and nothing happens and nothing happens. And for that person, you're in the wilderness period. If God told you there's a Canaan that flows with milk and honey, there is a Canaan that flows with milk and honey. Keep walking. Keep walking. Even if you don't see it, even if there are obstacles, even if there are hindrances, even if you're traveling with crazy people, keep walking. Number four. The pathway of God's will is scattered with tokens. Oh, this is, the meat of it was there, but this is my favorite part. Tokens. Indisputable proofs that you're in it. Tokens that tell you you're right where you're supposed to be, right where you're supposed to be. Tokens of God's presence. Tokens of God's power. Tokens of his approval. The first year we started our church, you know, we had our 89 on Sunday and about a month later we have 34 on Thursday night, you know, me and my wife were two of them, so there's four. And I remember him telling me, uh, we, we, we bought a van, we bought a van for our kids and uh, uh, he said, I'm going to pay the van off by May. Not take an offering, I'm going to pay it off by May. We ain't got nobody. It's February, we started the church in February. We got the van in like March or April. And I'm, and tell them I'm going to pay it off by May. Tell them I'm going to give them a miracle in May. Now, this is not the televangelist saying, we've got to make the miracle happen. And for the first 100 callers, you know, no, just tell them. And I said, we are not taking an offer. And I'm just supposed to tell you that we're going to pay the van off by May. That was it. He said, no, don't say nothing else. No big offerings. No big anything dedicated to the van. We looked around four months later. I think we had put 8,000 down on it. And it was like 20,000 or something then. And we had the money in the account to pay it off. And just that little token, just a little doop. Every time I got in that van, I'm like, you're with me. 
don't neglect to see the beauty in the tokens that other people don't recognize. When he lets you know I'm with you, I'm for you, I've got you. Cherish those things, rehearse them. Even when people get tired of hearing them, I'm gonna tell them till I die. Because they are the tokens that God granted me. Supernatural tokens. Unmistakable tokens. Confirming tokens. Encouraging tokens that you're in the will of God. One time, uh, early on when I was in the evangelistic field, uh, I should say before I get to one time, early on, the Lord revealed to me that I was a, a Jacob. Manipulate, maneuver. And he said, I, that's the opposite of who my son is. And we're going to address this. And when I went on the evangelistic field, he said, you can't call or write anybody. No flyers, no promotional material. This is before internet. So if no one knew you, they're not going to invite you to come preach. He said, you may have a business card and give it to someone if they ask you. So six months into stepping out on the evangelistic field, I'm going to preach revivals. And I'd preached like twice. People say, how's it going? It isn't. What do you mean? I'm not preaching anywhere. So I had, I know you've never done this, but I had one of those pity sessions in my prayer closet and I showed the Lord how faithful I was and how it hasn't happened like he said. He didn't say I was going to preach a lot. He said, go on evangelistic field. So I was going on and on and I said, you know, I just, and he knows when we're whining and he knows when we need a token. And I was grieving. I was like, have I just missed it? I don't doubt you. I doubt me. I'm dumb. Have I just missed it? Because surely you wouldn't call me to do something and me not do it. And Lord, and I had my little daytimer open. And I said, just right here. Just let somebody call about this so I'll know. And within the 30 minutes or so, I'm in the little sunroom at 3597 Overlook Avenue. The phone rings. And it's a pastor I've never heard of from Millery, Alabama. Does anybody know where Millery, Alabama is? Only time I ever went there. It, it ain't hell, but you can see it from the back porch. It's right over there. And I picked up the phone, the little cordless phone. Well, not little. You remember how they were with the end of punch talk. And I'm brother so-and-so up here in Millery, Alabama, right next to Buckatuna, Mississippi. And I, Buckatuna, true. Look it up. Google it. It's there. He told me on Sunday, he goes, we're going to the restaurant. Best fried catfish I've ever had in my life. Just catch them right out back and bring them in the front. And he called and said, my, my brother-in-law told me about you. And he was the superintendent of our state. And he said, I was calling to see if you had an availability. And I felt the Lord wanted me to be vulnerable. And I, I started weeping. I said, I can tell you the month. I might can narrow it down to the week. What? And I told him, and he goes, that's exactly what I was calling about. And I said, I'll come. I don't know that I helped him or uh, did a good job. I don't remember. I just remember when I closed that daytimer that that little token right there carried me through difficult times because he knew I needed a confirming, assuring, encouraging, a nail that I could hang my uh, insecurities on. And God distributes them not to those that are arrogant and demand them, but to those that need them. He'll confirm you're in the right. He's like, you're right. It's like your GPS system. I love GPS. It has saved me many times. 
because I get distracted. I'll miss exits. I'll, I come home. My house. I'll pass my house. I'm just right here. I'll look up. I'm at Zebulon. I go, what am I doing? I'm just thinking, talking to myself. I just miss stuff. But like if you go I-16, and I see a couple truck drivers here, like my buddy Jimmy. Oh, you need something. Caffeine, something. TV, something. Especially if it's cloudy and you can't see no stars at night. It's just dark. And you punch in, you're going to Savannah. Stay on I-16 for the next three days. <laughs> Dublin, Soperton, Jess, what a, not Jessup, just, uh, and you, you know, Dublin's like an hour, and then Soperton's like an hour, and then you just, surely we got to turn, we got to go somewhere, and you punch it. Stay on the same course. <laughs> what it really means is, when it's time to do something, catfish, I'll tell you. You know what we do? We go to prayer and we punch the button. What's the last thing I told you? You need a token, don't you? Stay on the present pathway. And God confirms. During the dark years for me, 10 so years now ago, I remember hitting a critical place in the depression part. I really, really didn't think I was going to make it. And I told the Lord, I said, uh, there's just no beauty in my life at all. There's just none. No smiles, no laughter, no joy. There's no beauty. And I said, there's no fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. I said, there's no fruit. I'm just depressed. And, uh, and I said, I feel like I'm losing my mind, Lord. And I just, I need something. You know, the longer I've lived with the Lord, I don't tell him what to do. I just tell him, I need you. Like a little baby. So what do you need? I just need you. I just, Lord, I just need something. And I can count on one hand how many times I do that. I'm not one that just tries to get the Lord to move, but I needed something. So a week or two went by. I hadn't thought about it. Mama Sheila, who was my, her and Stacy and Hub Jordan and Kelly and my staff stuck by me and supported me so much. But she called me up one day. She goes, hey, she, Yaya's just always, hey, how are you? I love you today. Can I come see you? I said, you know, sure. You want to come see a depressed guy? Come on. You know, so she shows up with this big platter of, of fruit and nuts and a bouquet of flowers. And Sheila's like Kelly. She'll come in with everything in one load. You know, she's trying to hold it. Flowers coming this way, stuff falling off. She goes, hey. I say, she goes, I know this is silly. I know it is. But I felt like the Lord told me to bring you some flowers. I like flowers. My office is just brown. So then there's flowers. I'm like, thank you so much. And I'm not much on fruit. And I don't eat a lot of nuts. But she brought them. I'm like, thank you very much. You know, I'll... Take them to somebody. Thank you very much. And she goes, that was it. Can I pray with you? She just prayed. Lord, take care of John today. Encourage him. I didn't see any of it. And she left. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I like the flowers. I'm like, you know, strawberries, grapes, whatever, whatever it was, some fruit, pineapple. And she'd cut up all these different pieces of fruit and had some, some nuts. And she said, I don't know why I'm supposed to bring this to you, especially the nuts. But, you know, sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, great. So she leaves. She leaves and she gets out of the building. And you know how the Lord gets your attention and everything 
goes silent. And he said, there's the beauty you asked me for. There's the fruit you asked me for. And I told the Lord I felt like I was going crazy. And he said, and sometimes you feel like a nut, John, and sometimes you don't. And I don't know if you remember this, but that Sunday I brought it up on the stage. And I spread flowers out. And I spread fruit out. And I put little little holders for the nuts. And I said, I know this may be silly, but if your pastor's going through it, maybe you're going through it. And there are those of you that your, your life is colorless. And you're really hurting. And there are those of you that feel like you're not who you once were in the Lord. And there's no fruit. And there's others of you like, you know, the single mom that's husband's left her and she's trying to keep her family afloat and you feel like you're losing your mind. They came from everywhere. And you could, do you remember? How many of you here that day? They came from everywhere. And I said, we're going to take together. We're going to, and some will smell the flower and some will eat. And you could tell they zeroed in on God. And I was watching people in their 60s and 70s bite a piece of strawberry and it coming down their face. And they're trembling before the Lord. God gave me a token to give tokens to them that I ain't forgot you. I've not lost you. I've not left you. And that's all we need to really know. Because if God is with us and God is for us, then nothing can stop it from happening. Amen? Healing tokens. Finally, oh, I'm sorry, I got six. Try to feed him in. God's will cannot be separated from his promises. There are promises. He said in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. That's a promise. I'll guide you. I'll protect you. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him to deliver them. I will preserve you. Psalm 121, 7. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil and preserve my soul. I will provide for you. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I will keep you. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's Jude 1. And I will finish being confident of this very thing that he which begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God's will cannot be separated from these promises. I'm going to guide you in where you're supposed to go. I'm going to protect you in the way. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to keep you and I will finish it. Here's the phrase that I want you to get. If you will walk it, I'll finish it. If you'll walk it, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're going through, keep walking. If God has you in a pathway, keep walking. If you don't know his will, keep walking with him. Don't sit. Don't back up. Now, God will give you times of rest, but I mean sitting in the way of, I give up. Just keep walking. When it's time to turn, he'll say, turn, change, move, call, put in a resume. He'll, he'll guide you. He will see to it. How did Abram get to the land? 
every time he was close, God would bump him another way and bump him another way. It's his responsibility. The last thing I want to read to you is this. Those who embrace the will of God will soon embrace the reward of God. He said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And behold, I come quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. There are people in this room that are wanting to know the will of God. There are people in this room that are considering leaving the will of God. There are people in this room that are counting the cost and are scared of the will of God. Everybody still is in the same boat. All you have to do is surrender to it. And if you surrender to the will of God, known and unknown, it will find you. And it will lead you. You hear people say, lead, guide, and direct me, Lord. I know some Christians, many of us have done this before. We reduce our Christianity to the things we don't do. Rightfully so. We're not supposed to... uh, commit fornication or adultery. We're not supposed to fill our body with drugs and alcohol. We're not supposed to be immoral or or greedy or lustful and all those things. But there's another side of the coin that's equally, if not more important. My Christian life is not what he's kept from me, but what he's inviting me to. It's difficult because it takes your whole life to do it. Paul got to the end, he said, I'm fast approaching coming home. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord is going to give me, but not only me, but all that love is appearing. He said, I finished my course. He didn't say I finished a course. He said, I finished my course. You have the promise of God to know and finish his will if you surrender to it. I want your will. And when you pray that, God will move people out of your life. He'll move people into your life. He'll shut doors, open doors. So how do you know, John? Peace. I've waited all morning to tell you this. That's how you know you're in the will of God. Peace inside. It can be hell on the outside and you go, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. This feels right. Oh, Brother Wood, you don't go by your feelings. Peace is a feeling. Peace isn't, oh yeah, this is what I wanted. Peace is, me and you good, God. I'm good with you. I'm good with me. I'm good with this. And it can swirl all around you, but you're at home with it. Wouldn't it be, or I was going to say, wouldn't it be a shame? Can there be anything more horrible than to find yourself in heaven and be labeled one of those people that embraced the grace of God fully and resisted the will of God fully. Where do we go from here? I don't know. I don't know. But I know what I pray for you to do. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done.
Not my will, Lord, but yours be done, O Lord. I pray for my wife and my family. Not my will, O Lord, but yours be done. For our church, not our will, but yours be done, O Lord. For the young people in college, not their will, but yours be done, O Lord. For the people seeking guidance on relationship, not our will, but yours be done, O Lord. And confirm it in our heart with peace, O Lord. Confirm it in our lives with tokens of grace. Confirm it supernaturally that we're where we're supposed to be and that you've got us in the palm of your hand. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called, oh, according to his purpose, his will. We're almost out of time, but I always love to give opportunity to you. We won't be here but just a moment. And for those of you from different churches, I want to tell you why we give opportunity for people to respond, not just pray. It does something to your pride. Nothing ever assaults our pride anymore. But when you go, that was me, and I want to go stand before God's people and say, this is... And they may not know the details, but you're saying, I'm responding. I want you to know, Lord, I heard you. If you're okay with it, with every eye open, and maybe you've never fully surrendered to God's will. You're a Christian, but you pretty much call in the shots and you say, today, oh Lord, I surrender my life to you. I guide my life. If that's you, I want you to come and just stand around the front here. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Maybe there are those this morning that uh, you believe God's asking you to do something, but it's kind of scary. <laughs> and you say, yes, Lord, I, I, I'm in. If that's you, I just want you to come stand. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to go home. I believe you're asking this of me, Lord, and my answer is yes. For those of you that once walked in the will of God, we don't need to know what it is. But you say, as I walked in here today, I'm not in the will of God and I want to be. I want you to publicly come and stand in this front. Lord, I'm coming back home. I want to be in the divine center of your will. If that's you, I want you to come. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Can I have a lady real quick with each lady and a guy with each guy? Would you come stand with them, please? Will you turn this one on, Brian? Thank you. Saints, would you just quietly pray around the building for these in the altar here today? to the Lord.
Have a wonderful week, guys. God bless you.